movie. So three things happened in that movie, and three things we can find in the Word of God happens when you stand. And the first thing is you're faced with opposition. Um, if you have your Bibles, going to a classic in the Scriptures, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 4 through 11. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistines' ranks to face the force of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail, weighed 125 pounds. He also wore, wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. Goliath stood and shouted and taunted across to the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then he will be we will be your slaves, but if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defile the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Israel was standing at this moment. They were in war standing, and all of a sudden they were faced with this giant. Some, I like visual pictures sometimes, so I'm going to have to have a really tall person, which I already... I know who we're going to choose. There's no, I think there's only one person almost as tall as me in here, which, Tommy, come up here. Sorry, man. You're going to have to stand on this thing. Now to find the shortest person in church, and I laid eyes on you, Tyler. Sorry, Pat. Oh, you're lucky Tyler's here. Come here, Tyler. Yep, stand on the top one. How tall are you, Tommy? About 6'2". I kind of measure this. This isn't quite three feet, but width up here. About three feet, boom, Goliath, right? And then you have David. It doesn't say how tall David was, but what it does say about David is this in verse um, 32 and 33. It says, don't, uh, David and Saul's talking, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. You can debate how old a boy means, but rather whether or not he is still a boy. To Saul, to the armies, David's considered a boy. So how tall are you, Tyler? How old are you? How old are you? How old are you? Twelve. All right. So we'll say we'll say David's twelve or sixteen. It doesn't matter. That's in the last short six. It seems like people are shrinking nowadays. But so you got David who's over it says nine feet tall. He's wearing, um, he has this big old rock or spearhead that's 12 pounds. I don't know if you ever tried throwing a 12-pound weight. When we were on the river, actually, yesterday, we went up real high, me, Dylan, Devin, and Seth, and we started throwing rocks trying to get across the river, and I'm the worst throw, throw person you'll ever see. I played baseball, and for whatever reason, they put me in the outfield, which was stupid, because I always needed a cutoff man, which is a guy to get my ball to the person where it was supposed to go, because I couldn't always throw it that far, but... So we're, you know, we're standing and we're trying to throw these and we've got big ones. And 
Dylan's almost lobbing it across these, the river. I mean, these big old rocks, and I'm barely making like little stones across the river. And it's the Manistee River, which I think at that point, the width of it was probably from me to about Brian in the back there almost, right? Because it was about a bend. And so 12, I mean, 12-pound 12 spear that he, he's fighting with, this thing that he, that's the weapon of choice that he chooses, something that's, I mean, massive for us. So David, in the midst of standing, he, he goes to Saul, and he says, I will stand for what God stands for. And it doesn't, what's cool about scripture, the scripture verse is it doesn't talk about David's emotion. Was he fearful? Was he not? It doesn't say, but what it does say, he took a step of faith. It talks about how he stood on God's word. So it doesn't matter when, we're, when we face these oppositions in our lives. It doesn't matter if we're fearful. We're going to be afraid. A lot of people think that when we have fear, it's the lack of faith, but it isn't. It's when you choose not, it's when you choose not to walk in faith. When you choose to walk in fear, then it's the opposite. But So David sees this guy out there a lot bigger than Tommy in muscle-wise. Uh, probably like three, three of Tommy. Has this big old spear, and David d doesn't care. He, he chooses to stand on the word of God. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. Odds were stacked against David. The odds were stacked against David. There was no way, even King Saul saw that, there's no way that David should have won that battle. Goliath was bigger. Goliath was stronger. Goliath had more experience. Goliath had, I mean, bigger, better weapons. Um, what's cool or not so cool sometimes, when in Scripture, every time we face opposition, or every time you see someone face opposition in the Bible, which you have uh, the apostles, you got Joseph, you got Moses, you got Job, you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tons of examples after examples. Every time they faced opposition, and every time you see in the Word of God, you never see that there's not going to be a fight. There's always going to be someone who's going to stand against you. So then... So David goes out to fight David or Goliath, and then if you guys want to play that second video, instead of me reading the story, I'd rather just show you the video of the fight. Here I am 
empty bones and a thirsty soul Dreaming for more than the life I know Believe in incredible things Oh, cause you're the God of the impossible I dare to believe in incredible things Oh, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go Videos like that makes me happy we don't have the children in here anymore. I can play R-rated stuff in here on Sunday morning. So when you're when you're standing for something, you're gonna be faced with opposition. It's gonna cost you something, as you see um, in Lord, the Lord of Rings video. You had Gandalf, his life. Well, even Jesus Christ for our freedom, it cost him his life. So the, when you're when you're standing for something for God. You're going to be faced with that position. It's going to cost you something. And the third thing that's going to happen, and you see it, you have, you've seen it happen here in this video, in the last video, is that the climate changes. All of a sudden, once you make that stand for God, once you face that opposition, you choose to keep standing, regardless of what people are telling you, right or wrong, regardless of what's happening around you, regardless of what culture Facebook is telling you, if you're choosing to stand on the word of God, the climate around you will change. If we read, keep reading 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we jump down to verse 51 through 52, it says, Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill and cut off the head. When the Philistines saw 
that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Akron. The bodies of the dead and the wounded Philistines were all around the road from Samaria as far as Gath and Akron. So as soon as David chose to make that stand, all of a sudden you've seen all of Israel charge after the Philistines who they were, they were afraid of because of Goliath, because of this circumstance in front of them. So when you're faced with, or when you choose to stand, you're going to be faced with opposition. The Bible tells that time after time Jesus was faced with opposition. You, every great hero in the Bible, if you see, look at it, Abraham, Moses, they were all, every time they stood for God, they were always faced with opposition. And it always cost them something in their lives. But because they made that, that stand and chose to, that this stand is more important to me than maybe my life or some other things, it cha- they allowed the climate around them to change. And the second thing happens. Um, how will you know, so if you're making a stand, how will you know if you stand or are you going to bow before your giant? We all face giants in our lives, and it looks different to each one of us. So when we face that giant in our life, how do we know that we're going to stand like David did in front of that giant and be able to attack it head on? Or how do we know we're going to bow before the um, giant? I, Daniel chapter 3 I'd like to read one more story, and I have one more video for you guys. Um, and it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, another classic. I love these classics in the Bible. Um, Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 and then 5 through 6. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide, and it set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Funny how, I wonder if you did a word or a number study on that. The bunnies, oh, well, 90 feet. Goliath was 9 feet. But anyways, the statue, anybody watch VeggieTales? The VeggieTale version of this, or the bunny. It's what we, we just talked about this with the, with the youth not too long ago. But the bunny, or your giant, however you want to look at it, your chocolate bunny in front of you, that 90 feet chocolate bunny, or that 9 foot giant. But Five through six. We'll jump down to verse five through six. It says, "When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither—I don't know what kind of instrument that is—or lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. I want to say a zither is a type of guitar brand. Just saying. And that lyre is a type of a drum brand. Harps, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's chocolate bunny, gold statue." Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And instead of me reading, because I love, I don't know, just this story in the last where I just like to get the whole story. But instead of me reading it and my mouth getting super dry, I'm going to play another video for you guys. Is everyone comfortable? Good. Move my arms. Ah, uh, Benny, you don't have any arms. Oh. Will you or will you not sing the song? 
Well, you see, sir, our parents taught us to stand up for what we believe in. And God wants us to do what's right. And there's a lot of stuff in that song that's not right. So, we don't mean to be a bother. We hope you understand. But we cannot sing that song. I understand, boys. You do? Oh, yes. I understand that you're bad bunnies. <laughs> Yeah. I sure hope that you were right. Gonna be in big trouble. <gasps> Nobody's ever gonna stand up to me again. Hey, boss, how many guys did we throw into the furnace? Three? Well, it looks like four guys in there now, and one of them is real shiny. One more thing, boss. They ain't burning up. Right. Check. Benny, come out of there. We'll pick up and finish reading that story at verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the higher, the high officers, officials, governors, and the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defiled the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any other god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. Any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know that they were able to stand rather than bow before the bunny? And there was three things that happened for Shadrach and Meshach. And the first thing was... They set their minds in advance to succeed. Or, ha or have you guys set your minds to stand beforehand? In uh, Isaiah 32, verse 8, Pastor Brenda actually tagged me in this earlier as well. It says, but the nobles make noble plans, and the nobles' deeds, the noble deeds they stand. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, so prepare your minds of action and exercise self-control. 
Put all your hope in the great salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they prepared ahead of time that they were going to stand no matter what for God, for the things of God. They put into practice and exercise those things as well. And the reason and how I know this is if you, we go a little further, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew Daniel. For a long time, when I first read that, I'm like, dang, I didn't know that growing up. They don't show you that in Veggie Tales. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were buds with Daniel. And if you go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, and I'll also read verse 15. So chapter 1, 5 through 8, and verse 15. It says, The king assigned them daily ra rations of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained uh, for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel I'm just going to change their names because they're going to change them later. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hannah was called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so on. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So you see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood with Daniel, which here is the tag for life groups, because that's the second the second point for this section is you have the first one, which is you set your minds prior to stand, and the second one is stand with other people, other people of God, and that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They stood. See, Daniel is the one who made the stand. It says, it says, Daniel made the saying that I'm not going to eat these foods because it defiles my God, and I'm going to do what my God tells me to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and if you were to keep reading there, also made that stand with Daniel. And you see in verse 15, it says, At the end of the ten days, Daniel and the three friends, who were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, looked healthier and better, and better nourished, which, by the way, they only ate vegetables. Vegetables. Just throwing that out there. Let me read that one more time so you guys get that. It says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier, better nourished than the young men who had been eating food assigned by the king, which was pork and all this bacon, ham, Canadian bacon, all that delicious stuff. But the vegetarians looked healthier. Oh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, don't be fooled by these who... Say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the understanding that if I hang out with bad people, then I'm going to adapt bad character. But if I hang out with this guy, Daniel, if I hang out with Daniel, who stands on the word of God, all of a sudden things are going to happen. And it, they were promoted. Um, and they looked better. Now, David, he stood alone, right? And he faced that giant. And then, so David stood alone, beat Goliath, right? But what happened after all of Israel stood with David? They sent the whole armies running. Imagine if all of Israel, when David made that stand, if they were like, you know what, we're just going to stand right off the bat with David. They would have had the Philistines running prior rather than waiting and fearing them. 
They would have taken over the land. They would have pushed back the army. They would have killed the giant long because it was in them, right? They sent them running. I'm sure the Philistines turned around, tried to defend themselves. I mean, if I have someone chasing me with a sword, I'm not going to just let them poke me in the butt, right? I'm going to turn around and fight. And so, but, so the Philistines couldn't stand against the Israelites. Last Pastor Brennan said, I'm the youth pastor, so I get to say certain words, but from the mic. Plus, I do all the editing, so I can edit that out if I want to. Um, so the Philistines were running, but they could have, Israel could have made that stand prior and attacked them because the Philistines had no chance in the beginning. But because Israel didn't stand on the things of God, they didn't realize the strength they had within them until one man did. But if they would have stood from the beginning, they could have overthrown that army. Imagine if together, life group tag, if, you, if you're standing in your life group with people, a group of people that can pray with you over a situation, over your Goliath, instead of, instead of trying to face him alone, it's a lot harder to face something by yourself rather than having a group of people that you can face the giant or armies or the big chocolate bunny. It's a lot easier if you have people around you. So how do you know if you're going to stand or bow to your giants, to the bunnies in your life, is are you, are you, do you, have you set beforehand to succeed to stand? Are you standing with others who are close to God? Because sometimes we, we think we're standing with people and we have those people in our lives that we think are good help, but they're not. Uh, you know, every bachelor party, something crazy has to happen, right? And so we're a kayaking. It wasn't too crazy, but crazy for us, I think, and probably for all you guys. We're kayaking, and me and Dylan's ahead of Seth and Devin, and Dylan gives me, he's like, why don't we take our kayaks to the top of the cliff and kind of slide down the cliff? So I'm like, I think we need to warm up before we go to a big one. And so we find a cliff, and we go up there, and Seth, also here comes Seth lugging behind us up there. So me, Seth. And I kid you not, Devin can show you the video later if you ask him. We're on top of uh, what at the time was real tall for us, at the top of this thing, and I'll tell you, bad company right then. Because I hate, st like, I hate, to be honest, roller coasters and stuff like that, but I do it. Like, I, I love it after I've done it because then I can say I've done it, but I hate the process of doing it. Like, every time me and Dylan done something crazy, it's because his idea and I, I hate doing it, but I love the fact that I have done it. There was one time we jumped off a roof onto a trampoline and then flipped off the trampoline. He lands, I land on my back. There was a time when we decided to take the trampoline and jump into the pool. He flips over, I flip and land right in the middle of the pool and barely make it in. So you can see where the story of the kayaks is going. It's things like this happens all the time. So we're up there on, on the top and, you know, I'm edging, acting like I'm going to go first. And I, it crossed my mind, if I, you know, go first, be the man here. But I decided not to. Then all of a sudden, Dylan pushes up, and I'm yelling at Dylan, no, no, because now that I know I have to do it. And then I'm trying to with, stop Seth from going, but Seth breaks free, and he goes. And after I see Dylan stick into the ground, <laughs> then he finally gets going free. And then all of a sudden, Seth makes it. And, and then finally, I went, and then I hit, hit a rock and flip over, and and I'm stuck in my kayak under the water trying to get out. And here's Devin, you know, recording the whole thing rather than helping. Bad company. So you can stand with bad company or you can stand with good company. 
And I recommend standing with a Daniel in your life, someone who stands on the Word of God. Maybe going to the life group, finding someone who's in that life group that's standing with God and all stand together with God because there's strength in numbers. I got myself eventually. The kayak, well, what happened is the kayak sunk. So I was, the kayak and me were both under the water, so I was able to get out that way. This was my day yesterday. So I'm not walking up here with swag. I'm walking because I'm sore. Genesis, <laughs> Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. The second meaning, people ask me, it's like my most asked tattoo. I have a tattoo on the back of my arm. It's 116. And the main meaning is Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But this is the second reason why it's on there. Genesis 11, verse 6. It says, look, he said, this is God talking with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. The people are united and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, if you were to keep reading that scripture, you see also God came down and stopped it. And it's because they weren't standing on the things of God. They were standing on their own things. And so when we don't stand on the things of God, it's going to fall because God can stop it. Um, so which brings me to the last point to knowing that if you're going to stand or bow before your Goliath or your bunny is, are you standing with God? Joshua chapter 1, 8 through 9, it says, and Amy and the whole worship team can start coming back up. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, 8 through 9, it says, Study this book of instructions, continue meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In order for us to take down our giants, we must stand with God and realize that there's going to be opposition. It will cost us something, but because Jesus already gave us the victory to win, it will change the climate. But we just got to make that. That's the cool thing. Jesus, when we're faced with the opposition, if we can just hold on to the promise that he already gave us the victory and whatever that giant that we might face, we just got to stand and go through that opposition and understand it's going to cost us. A lot of people think when we stand, and because he's already given us the victory, it's not going to cost us because Jesus already paid it off. But it's still going to cost us something to take that victory, rather it's friends. I know being in the youth ministry, one of the things, I, um, it was right after that law was passed with uh, um, homosexuals and stuff like that, that it was, it was right. I made sure I made that clear at youth group. That, you know, I, I stand on the word of God that it is wrong. And and what happened, it was actually the last year's camp It happened. Also, the next youth group, all of a sudden, and I remember right after two camp, all of a sudden, because I, I have most of the kids on Facebook, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I can't believe he said that on Facebook. And all of a sudden, there was all this commotion happening. So I was out, and it cost a lot of people end up leaving the youth group there for a little bit, a lot of the students, because my stance on the word of God, but I'm standing with God. That's, I'm not going to stand with what culture has told us or what culture says right or wrong. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. Like tithe, 
since we did, we do tithe every day. Some people think, how can you give your money to the church or tithe is not for today? If the Bible says, if Jesus talks about it, and if Jesus never said to quit tithing, then why would we in our right mind quit tithing? Or anything, if Jesus gave us the victory to give us healing, why would in our right mind would we say that there was healing is not for today? If Jesus, if, if Jesus told the disciples to wait up in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to fall, why, and there, nowhere in Scripture has it said that the Holy Spirit's not supposed to flow in the church, why in the right mind should we think that the Holy Spirit shouldn't flow in church anymore? Um, so, in closing, just waiting for you, Amy. I want to, and if I can have the uh, prayer team up here, because what I want to do is what's cool about the the guy, these guys that are gonna stand up here to pray for you guys, is they're they're noble men, like it says in Isaiah chapter thirty-two. They're noble people who have prepped and exercised for success to stand on the things of the things that God has promised for us in our lives. So maybe you're facing a giant, and your giant, you might, each one of us, it's it's different. To someone, it might be, that might be small to them, but it's big for you, it's, it's your giant. And what I want to do is today is these guys up here are going to help you pray for that giant to fall. Because they're willing to stand in faith on what God has said in the scripture. And it says that Jesus has given us the victory over every situation. And sometimes it's hard to stand when we're by ourselves. But that's why it's so cool coming here at church and having people like these guys who are noble, who have planned ahead of time and have prayed for you guys already to stand, to, to take that victory, to throw that stone at your Goliath, to, to not bow before the, the king's whatever that statue might be in your life. Maybe it's an addiction you have in your life that you want broken. I just challenge everyone to close your eyes and head to the fast. And if you want to come up for prayer right now, you can if you already have to. But ask God, what what might be a Goliath in my life? Because I, I was thinking about that to my you know for myself as well and God pointed out some things that, you know, sometimes we just put a lot of things on the back burner and don't realize. We all are dealing with something in our lives. And what a great opportunity on a Sunday morning, first day of the week, to get that that opposition, that thing dealt with, broken, that life to fall, that statue to break in your life, that stronghold, to those chains to be so you can be set free. So just ask him right now between you and God, just be like, God, is there something that I need to stand with someone up here? That's, that has been praying and preparing for this moment to help me break something in my life. And if you get something, just come up here right now. Or, or maybe you already know where you are. Whatever it is. Maybe maybe it's not quite a giant yet, and you want to stop it before it becomes a giant. Come up right now. Is there any 